Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Sober Speak. We have a return guest today, and uh, I'll surprise you in just a second. Uh, at Sober Speak, you will find a podcast of men and women, a man in this particular case, sharing their experience centered around the Alcoholics Anonymous 12 Steps of Recovery. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and I'll be the host of this episode. Uh, consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. I'm not really out to replace meetings, but we can supplement meetings for those times where you cannot get there. So I'm going to ask my friend here, Mr. Doug S., to go ahead and read a something that he's brought along the special dam. Thank you, John, and I appreciate you having me back. Mm -hmm. It's a pleasure. What I'm going to read is uh, Mother Teresa wrote a poem, and it's called Anyway. And it reads, People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give the world the best you have anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's between you and your God. It was never between you and them anyway. Mother Teresa. Very nice. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate you reading that. Okay, so we welcome all of your comments uh, here at Sober Speak. Um, there are a couple different ways you can get in touch with us. You can go to the SoberSpeak.com website and click on the contact us tab or you can email us directly at feedback f-e-e-d-b-a-c-k at soberspeak.com uh, we not only welcome your feedback but uh, highly encourage it keep in mind self uh, sober speak is a self-supporting organization through our own contributions we are not allied with any sect denomination politics, organization, or institution, we do not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorse nor oppose any causes. Please remember, we do not speak for any 12-step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want, leave the rest at the curb. Thank you very much, Doug. All right, so Doug is back because, uh, well, I guess a couple different reasons. Number one, uh, we um, had a conversation last time. It was absolutely excellent. I ran out of time very quickly. I was unaware that we were running out of time. In fact, you can go back and listen to the episode uh, that Doug recorded previously, or we recorded it. And that was uh, episode number 21. It is called Doug S. Porno Past Exposed. And we'll leave a little cliffhanger for there for them just in case they haven't listened to that whole thing. But it is, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those, you know how you see the uh, billboards uh, as you're driving down the highway and they say, we, we laughed, we laughed, we ate dinner, 
Wait a sec. Now, how's that go? We 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 laughed. We cried, and then we ate dinner. Uh, to me, it was one of those. We laughed. We cried. It had a lot of emotion in there, uh, and then we. Um, uh, it, it was just a. It was just a fantastic episode. Um, so Doug is back today. And uh, first of all, Doug, I want to ask you about the reading that you just selected. Tell me a little bit about that, why it's important to you, um, what sort of meaning it has for you in your life. One of the things that has helped me throughout my sobriety is being involved in the the AA-approved literature. However, I also am inspired by people that have changed the lives of others for no recognition. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to do something on a grand scale and get a lot of um, accolades for it. I don't believe Mother Teresa ever set out to have a publicist or see what her (laughs) ratings were. And, you know, the, the sad thing is she died... Right around the same time Princess Diana died. <clears throat> and nobody really mentioned it. It, it, it kind of got lost. lost the show. And I heard somebody said, well, if she would have been dressed by the designers that Diana right. had, she would have been maybe more up there. And right. I said, I don't think that's right. what she was going for. <laughs> Not she the was, Yeah, she was kind of feeding people in the leper sea village. But uh, it's... It, States, so often we can, when you're kind or nice, it can be seen as weakness. I spent most of my adult life in, in Los Angeles where it seems that once a week in the, in the Sunday paper, they would highlight some super agent or manager and they would talk about how they were a tyrant. And it seemed like it was almost this... Um, uh, quality, you know, they would talk about how many people they went through and 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 destroyed, and how many assistants they would eat up in it. In, a, in, in a, other words, just to make it to the top. Yes, right. and what she's talking about is, you know, succeed, but people are going to be upset because of your success. But do it anyway, <laughs> and you may build something, and it means a lot to you. And somebody might destroy it. Go ahead and build it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like a, growing up, my mother used to say, well, we can't have nice things. And she would use it for everything. And I would think, <laughs> really? We can't? Mother Teresa is saying, you might have been told you can't have nice things. Go ahead and get nice things anyway. <laughs> you know? And so it's, um, it is allowing, when I read it, it is stating This was never about you and the people that you're trying to impress. And if you're trying to impress others, you will always end up losing. If it's between, and I love how she says, it's always been between you and your God. And in our program, we choose a God of our understanding. Mm -hmm. And I love that she says, it's between you and your God. And so that's what it means for me. There have been times when I have worked for nonprofits and um, sometimes you get to see some really ugly things go on behind the scenes or you can 
meet someone who you have held in high regard and then suddenly you see another side of them and you have to just, you don't have to. It's encouraging when I read someone who has seen so much pain in her life and has touched so many people selflessly to share with others this beautiful poem. And she says, do it anyway, no matter what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. You're, you don't need an award. It's not about that. Right. Ultimately, we are, I guess we all have to listen to our that inside voice inside and uh, and follow that. And sometimes you're going to, against the uh, grain, so to speak. Correct. Um, but if you follow that in the end, um, that is what's important. Be, we have another saying, right, or another... Uh, I don't think, I think it's a Shakespeare actually, but be true to thine own self. Exactly. And um, that's, uh, that's very important to remember. So, okay. Last time when you were here, um, uh, you know, we, we, we got into a, a couple of funny stories. Uh, it, it ate up a, a lot of the time, but there was some serious subjects in there as well. And uh, I know you're obviously a very funny guy, right? Uh, and... Um, uh, but I, you know, I know, and I, you know, I've been told at times before that I can be a funny guy as well. But I know behind that funniness, many times, most comedians that you meet, right, there's some sort of uh, pain behind that, and part of the way that they deal with that pain, so to speak, uh, in a cathartic way, is by uh, using uh, comedy, right? So I, I just I want to go back a little bit. We 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 didn't talk about this very much, but um, I, I because you're you know from to to me you're a complicated guy, and I mean that in a, in a very positive way. I mean you know you have a lot of different layers to you. So when when I think about or, or can can you talk about your relationship with your mom and your dad a little bit? And by the way, I know this is sober speak, right? I'm not getting into psychoanalysis here. Um, it's just very interesting to me. It's obviously a, a part of who you are, and I'd like to understand that a little bit more. And I think the listeners could benefit from that as well because um, uh, I, I just think that there's going to be some people out there who are, who are able to relate to this. And um, um, it, it can help them in their sobriety. So you tell me what you want to tell me about your mom and dad, and I'll maybe ask some questions here and there. Thank you. And um, I appreciate the, the interest. And, and, and one other question. Are you, an, are you an only child? Did you have brothers and sisters? I'm the youngest. You're the youngest. I'm of the how youngest. many? I have one blood sister and a half-brother and a half-sister that are um, much older than I am. We have a common mother. Okay, gotcha. And uh, one of the, when I first got sober out in uh, Los Angeles, I um, I quickly started speaking. And by the way, just let's go ahead and uh, we, we identified this on the last uh, uh, episode, but your sobriety date is? My sobriety date is March 14th, 2013. Okay. And that has been, we have had to hit the reset button on that before. Right, right. because of the marijuana maintenance program. Well, yes, yes, right? it yeah. was exactly that. <laughs> and uh, I thought I could find an easier, softer way. And um, when my father had was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer, I thought that we should probably treat the cancer with some medical marijuana, not for his symptoms, but for my <laughs> symptoms. Yeah. 
<laughs> and um, it worked for a little while. Okay. But after he passed, I thought we we better stop. But um, and and I joke about that. But just as yeah. our program says, we will be exactly where we were <clears throat> when we stopped. And I I didn't have a choice in in the in the situation. I wasn't just a recreational smoker. I had to have it, and um, just like I had to have alcohol. Yeah. So it was, um, I will state this, nothing from my childhood made me an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I'm very much a believer of its um, a genetic disease. And we didn't even have alcohol in our house. And our house was very loud and it was very chaotic. And I recall the reason why I mentioned that I started speaking early uh, in sobriety when I lived in Los Angeles. I, I shared and I felt I had that vulnerability hangover where I had um, thought that I shared too much about my family. And by the time that the, 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 the 10 minutes were up, I... I think I was nine years old and I wasn't sober yet. And I felt horrible. I was so embarrassed. And so I told my sponsor, I said, I don't why, was, why were you embarrassed? Because it's, uh, I was embarrassed that I didn't share the solution. Oh, okay, gotcha. So the, the embarrassment was I started talking about my parents. I was used to having 50 minutes in therapy to talk about them. <laughs> right. I've got 10 minutes and I need three minutes of what it was like, three minutes of what happened and three minutes of what it's like now. And I'm still talking about my big wheel getting taken away. Right. So it's, um, <laughs> and people just looked at me in shock and they're like, we're really sorry that that happened to you. But so it's, uh, I, uh, it was, it was very loud. It was chaos. Uh, there, there's a line from, um, uh, an author and uh, his name's Pat, and uh, his last name escapes me. It's uh, he wrote *The Prince of Tides*, and um, there's a line in the in the book, and I'm paraphrasing. And he says, "I don't know when my parents decided to wage war against one another, but I do know the only prisoners of war they took were their children." And that's how it felt. It was very loud. Okay, so when you say loud and chaotic, that was your parents arguing. My mother was... Was it physical or was it... There were altercations and neither of them drank. Um, Thank goodness. It would have been off the charts. Yeah, or maybe they needed a drink. I'm not sure. (laughs) But whatever it was, my mother had some mental illness that was going untreated and went untreated all of her life mm-hmm. until the last six months and of, of her life. And, and, and what was the mental, what, do you know what the diagnosis was? Well, I don't know if we ever got a confirmed diagnosis. Um, what were the it was, symptoms? It was definitely bipolar gotcha. and uh, with some other issues. Okay. And she had a, a really rough childhood. Her mother left her when she was three. Her dad died when she was seven. She was raised by a crazy grandmother and a blind grandfather. Uh, there was uh, physical and mental and sexual abuse in her family. So God bless her. Right. She did the best she could. She doing the best she could. She used to she tell had. me that I didn't come with a, a, a handbook, but I did know that we lived a block away from a library. 
So, so, I mean, she could have swung by and got some outside help. But so it's, I remember it was kindergarten. There We were sent home with a book, and it was uh, this PIP book, P-I-P, something about the... Uh, the post office and we had to read it to the thing was we needed to read it to one of our parents or have them read it with us and I recall my sister and I sitting on the the couch and I can't see the words on the paper because my there's tears are just coming out of my eyes and my parents once again like it's a play they are center stage for us and, and just going back and forth and arguing and arguing and arguing. It was always about money or there wasn't enough money, how the money was spent. And my mother was in a marriage that she should have never been in. My mother was married once before and she never ceased to share her feelings about why she shouldn't have gotten married. Her, she was very religious, and she said that she had, quote-unquote, sinned against God and stated that she should have never got married to my father. My father was eight years younger than her. Um, my father worshipped the ground that she walked on. She had two children that he basically raised, and they were quite a bit older than uh, my sister and I. They were both, uh, I think the... The age gap is 20 years and 23 years. Um, so she didn't want to have any more children. And when she got pregnant with my sister, apparently f- from the stories that she shared in front of my sister, she didn't want any more kids. And she's like, you know, when I was pregnant, ah, that was the worst time of my life. And my poor sister, <laughs> she has some... You know, God bless her for her self-esteem issues. And then they're like, and then Doug came along, but we planned him. You know, so the the thing is, it's just there was we knew that we weren't the family she wanted. And we knew that my dad wasn't the dad she wanted or the husband she wanted. And so none of that made me an alcoholic, but it sure gave me some self-esteem issues. (laughs) Right. And so when, well, she must have been fairly older when she had you. Is that right? She, well, interesting enough, on my birth certificate, she has in ink. She changed her age. My father was 31. She was 39. She changed both of their ages to 31. <laughs> and this was very much the way in which we lived our life. And I have... Is that because she just wanted to appear younger? Right. And it was just all these lies. She went so far as to say that her daughter, her oldest daughter, wasn't hers. <laughs> because if she would, would have been hers, she would have been like 11. Right. She had her. And right. it was like we one time we were making a cake for my mom and my oldest, my half sister, she said, oh, well, mom is so-and-so, you know, age or, or she's this age. And we're like, no, she's not. <laughs> And then she's got my mom on the phone, and she's like, "Why? What are? What are they saying?" And she's, you know, and it just turned out <laughs> right. to a really bad right. thing. And so it was just another way in which we told lies yeah. in our family, and um, everything was a lie, or so much was a lie. Right. And um, it was. Uh, I'll say this, and 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 I'll answer any other questions you have regarding this. When I would walk into the house. I would 
breathe in the air or I would test the air. I don't know if I licked my finger and put it up into the wind, but you did not know if you were going to get a beating or a brand new bike. And there was no way to determine what was going to happen. My mother was going to be over loving uh, in an uncomfortable way. And you were going to be presented with some gift that was incongruent with a nondescript Tuesday. And usually it was that my mother was really big at forging my father's name on his tax returns. And that would be a big party for us because she, she would go and she'd buy us Italian 10-speed bikes when nobody had Italian 10-speed bikes, <laughs> unless you're in the Olympics. And then we're driving around the neighborhood and we see her, my dad. Hey, dad. And he's like, where did you guys get the bikes? <laughs> my mom, mom bought them for us. <laughs> and, and he owed money to someone else. So there was constantly that issue of money. There was constantly fear that things were going to um, fall apart. And uh, eventually my dad took a job where he was on the road three weeks out of four and I don't feel that he abandoned us. He did what he could do in order to create peace at home. And um, that did create some issues for, for me and the way in which I see relationships. And I'll just say this. I was born three weeks early and I'm convinced that I was born early uh, for one or two reasons. One, I wanted to get the hell away from my mother. And two, I really needed a drink. <laughs> so it was one of those things. Right. <laughs> get the hell away from my mother. Oh, so, okay. Well, and, okay, so here's what I know from your last recording, right? I'm th well, I'm thinking about two things, right? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about your dad's death, mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about your mom's death, Correct. right? And um, can you uh, dive into those as far as you would like to dive into those? But I, I, I'm, I'm just curious. You, you mentioned your dad's death there a second ago. Correct. So my, my father was my best friend. My mother definitely tried to create a wedge between my father and my sister and myself. And... She, and, and I get it, this was her sickness. And, but I also learned from going through the steps and sitting with my sponsor, mm -hmm. and I may have shared this last time, he said, evil and illness look a lot alike. Right. And when you're a child, you just don't know what's true, which, and, uh, or which is what. And I didn't know if she was being evil or if she was ill. Right. I didn't have the, the, the wherewithal to figure that out. Right. I knew that she was very cutting and hurtful. And yet, but she would go sing in the choir and at her church and really put on a show, if you will. And I mean no disrespect to her. It was a show. Right. And my father died February 9th, 2013. This, this is before your mom? This is after my mom after died. After your mom, I'm sorry. So my, my dad and I became close when I went away to college. And the thing is... So you got more close after you left the house, right? I Yes, because I recall one day we were driving 
when I was home, uh, we were going on a drive because um, uh, that's what you do in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. You, you, you go on a drive. And um, we were talking and I said, I'm not going to come home anymore um, during, uh, during college breaks and, or, or even for the weekend. And um, I said, whenever I'm around, mom treats me like I'm the king she literally would push the head of the the, the main chair mm-hmm. where the father would sit mm-hmm. if we were playing by rules mm-hmm. that are social norms, pretty much. And she'd be like, Doug, you sit here. And my dad would acquiesce and go sit over to the, the other table or, or one seat down. And that was, that was never lost on me. And whatever would mm-hmm. happen is uh, my, my father was a failure and she would uh, my dad you know came from nothing and rose to be a vice president of a very large corporation and people adored him and loved him and uh, so he, he's got charisma yeah. my dad is is a guy who he's not flashy um, when people meet my father and they and would meet my father, they would always say, not what I expected. And that's never a compliment to me. <laughs> it's a compliment to my father because they're looking for like some guy that's like, hey, <laughs> let's, let's do shots. And he's just calm. He is the calm to my storm. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. And um, he's just, there's something so good inside of him. Here's what I remember at one of their numerous separations. Um, my dad said, you know, I was nine years old, and a lot went on when I was nine, and um, I think for anybody. And my dad said, you know, kids, I'm never going to say anything bad about your mother. That's your mother. I know your mom doesn't play by the same rules. But I want you to know that your old man is not such a bad guy, but I want you to figure that out someday. And he moved back in and he was only gone for like maybe a week. And as I stated, that was a job where he traveled all the time. And um, I just, I remember that so vividly. And his life continued to, to go on. And, and my dad told me in that conversation, he said, son, your, your mom just has to have somebody that is on the out at all times. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, oddly enough, my, my parents took custody of my mom's brother's daughter when, right when I was born. So you have a five-year-old, you have a or excuse me, an infant, you have a three-year-old, then you have two high schoolers all in this small house. My dad has just signed it up for this lot of baggage. And my mother's brother commits suicide in this same manner in which my mother committed suicide in the garage with the car running, asphyxiation, and my mother demands that his daughter lives with her. The way in which this is not a trial against my mother, I'm in no way trying to 
drudge up convictions <laughs> against her or crimes of her. I don't know what, I do know what the, the, I know what the past was and I've worked through therapy of probably why that she did this, but she beat this girl to, in, in a way that you, you can't imagine. She slept on the floor even though we had an extra bed. She was never allowed to sit at the table even though we right. had a dining room um, that no one used. Um, I remember as a kid grabbing something and hitting her in the head, my cousin, um, because we were writing Mother's Day cards, and I remember this vividly. And I wanted her to write something down exactly the way that I had said it. And she questioned the way that I said it, and she suggested something. And I picked something up, and I hit her in the head, and I said, just write it. And my sister said, Doug, that's not right. And I said, Mom does it. And when I was five, she, um, was, I think it was the first day of kindergarten. And when I got home that day, police cars were at our house. And uh, she had ran away because she had just turned 18 that day. And um, we didn't see her again until she was 21. And some money from her father. Um, Service. Yes. And um, when I was older and I brought that up to my mother, um, she, she saw it in a different way. She, she was able to ignore that that happened. And so that's how my childhood looked. Right. And um, on the outside, it looked like we had money. On the outside, it looked like we were sponsored by Lacoste and Polo. Um, on the outside, it looked like we always had a new car because my father got a new car every year from, through his company. Things looked very different on the outside. And you talk about comedy. You know, it's tragedy and timing. When I was away from, from home, I don't know that I thought... I need to be funny. It's just kind of who I was. I, I don't know if I've ever walked into a room and said, turn it on. I know that there is that switch that I can flip. And um, I think to be able to be in a room where you hear laughter coming back at you, as opposed to the beating or the bike, mm -hmm. you're going to choose the laughter every time. And... Um, that is um, how it looked as, as, a, as a child. And the sad thing is when my sister and I were older, there was a divide between our relationship to our mother and... What do you mean? Did she see it in a different way? Well, my mother used to quote the Bible all the time, and I'm sure that she severely misquoted it but it was something about the same stone you push to your neighbor's door will come back to you okay. we can have your research team look that <laughs> yeah, up yeah hey uh, research team get on there's that a plane. lot of them hi Alex. <laughs> but anyway um call me and um 
<laughs> but anyway, she did. She kept on pushing our father away, pushing our father away. He would be in town for for the week, and we would leave church, and my mom would be driving to, you know, it's the Midwest, so you're going to Ponderosa or Rustler, you know, very high-class places. <laughs> Red Lobster, it's my birthday. And... Um, uh, because we all know they have the best seafood. And um, uh, so anyway, uh, that's sarcasm. Yeah. And um, But so we would, my sister and I would be telling my mom, we'd say, can't we call dad? Can't can't we stop at a pay phone and, and invite him? And and no, we, no. We're either going to go home and, and there was going to be some punishment for us even wanting this. Or we would go on and get the steak. You know, you, 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 we would pick the steak. Mm-hmm. And so as we got older, that talk that my father had with us about, I'm never going to say anything negative about your mom. I'm going to let it, you all figure it out. We gravitated to him mm-hmm. because it was like he, he never talked negative about her. And... He was my best friend, and I spoke with him every day. And the last, he died, you know, I've already shared in 2013. Um, one of the things that I still have. It was he in the Midwest or something? He was in the Midwest. Yeah. So I knew that. So I was on his uh, HIPAA form, and so I was able to call his doctor and say, look, he's not wanting to come in. And he swears there's going to be a long way. He was from the, the, the generation of, I'm not going to the doctor. And in November, prior to his death in February, he had had a cough that had gone on for months and months. He was a heavy smoker, yeah. although he told his doctor something different. <laughs> and he also, um, he was having circulation problems with his feet and it just everything led to there's another blockage and then there was a spot on his lung i worked in a field in uh, uh, fitness where we had several um, doctors in our uh, facility and uh, i spoke with them and and you know they they were just very matter of fact they're like yeah it sounds like he has lung cancer and uh, i called the doctor and the doctor said we're going to do tests and that's probably what's going to be and confirmed. And so I, I was in Southern California. I was uh, uh, living on a boat and um, it was, I just resigned uh, from a job. I was in school full time online at UMass Amherst, which was great because as soon as I found out on December 28th that he had stage four cancer, I asked the doctor, I said, I'm in school and this is my senior year. Um, please just pragmatically tell me what to do. And he said, I would be here within four weeks. And so I sublet my boat. I was there within two weeks. And I am so grateful for those three weeks that we had. There was not one word that went unspoken. I was with him when he passed. Um, there's, I would just say this one thing. A lot can come from someone who... Um, doesn't look like a supermodel or athlete. There is a guy who is, I'm not sure what his ailment is, but he can't walk. He's in a a wheelchair 
and he clearly has some type of uh, um, major deformity, and um, almost to the point of um, you know, who's the guy with the, with the great mind? Oh, Stephen Hawking. Exactly, and this guy invented this this plastic, just circular, mm-hmm. almost like a reed, mm-hmm. and it goes into the trach and my dad had to have a tracheotomy because the the lung cancer went up to his throat and attacked his his vocal cords and he couldn't speak and he worked with a speech pathologist and they put this little device into his throat and we were given the gift of all of his children and stepchildren around him and he's and the nurse came in and she said, "Are you ready?" And so she, he was able to say, "All right, kids, I've got something to say." He said, "I might not have always said that I loved you enough. I wasn't told that much as a kid, but I love you. I know that I wasn't always the best father, but I really tried." And he said, "If there's anything that you all." want to ask me, please do, but just know that I love you. I don't know many gifts that you can get like that. You sure can't buy it from the Neiman Marcus Christmas catalog. And I just, uh, so he passed and I stayed on at his house and literally rebuilt it the subfloors and everything was gone and the the neighbors helped with you know me putting it back together and staging it and selling it and um and I flew to Massachusetts by myself and walked in front of 33,000 people and my father was a pilot by hobby and one of the things that um he wait, said, wait, 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 you flew to Massachusetts? No, yeah. I flew I flew to Massachusetts yeah. on, on commercial airlines. Yeah. My father went, I was sitting in his room, and my father was very well-traveled. However, I wasn't sure if he had ever been to Massachusetts. And so he, and he's not able to speak, and so I get him this whiteboard, and so he could, like, you know, write on it. And... Um, so I'm showing him the, the, the year prior, the commencement ceremonies. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, it's an old school UMass Amherst. And, uh, when I graduated, they were celebrating 150 years. So it's very much East Coast pomp and circumstance. It's, it's just awesome. And, I, and I'm the first one in my family that, that went to college and graduated. And I'm showing this to my father. And I said, have you ever been to Massachusetts? And he's mouthing something. And I said, you know, use your whiteboard. And he wrote, I will in the spring. We both know he's not going to be there. We both know he's not going to be there. And I have a picture of my father when he was 22 years old. And he's in this old plane, open cockpit. And something happened to it. And he lands into this cornfield. And you can see the corn on the, the, the husk on, the, on the, the wings. And he said, some lady come running out. And he, she said, somebody's praying for you, son. You know, you survived this. And my father and I growing up, one of the things that 
we bonded with is we, we would go on these the GI Bill afforded him to uh, uh, take up flying again. And so we would do that often. And um, I don't know if this is a sign or what, but during the ceremony, an identical plane flew over the ceremony. Oh. And I just thought, I don't know if it is or not, but I'm going to take it for what right. it's worth. <laughs> so that's uh, that, I think, gives you kind of... Uh, yeah. Um, a snapshot into the right. life. A flavor. Yeah, it sure does. And that's kind of what I wanted to go there. I, I, I just had an idea that... Um, uh, I, I just wanted to know about it. It, it, it. it struck me. Obviously, I was curious about it. Um, it's my show, so I do what I want to do, right? Right. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's shift gears here a little bit. I know you've been in both uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous here in Texas, and you've been in Alcoholics Anonymous in California. Can you talk about some of the... I mean, obviously, you know, meetings are meetings, right? But can you... Is there anything in particular that strikes you as, as different... Uh, and is there anything that comes to mind there? I'll put it that way. Well, the people are really pretty. <laughs> in, Fris- in, in Frisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I know the audience I'm playing to. Um, the main thing is... Here, there, the, and I know it's a regional thing... There seems to be, this is my perception, people will speak of religion often in meetings here. And I don't think they mean to or it's someone who's new. Yeah. And so often our third step of... You mean like Christianity or exactly, whatever? Exactly, exactly. And when you say they speak of it, does that mean that you're there? They're quoting verses or well, they're saying... Often I will hear when it, when it talks about turning our life and our will to a God as we understand him, yeah. I've often heard people compare that to, well, I was already born again or I was already right, right, a right. Christian, gotcha. but it's usually someone who's newer uh-huh. And, and, and no one has explained that to them. I don't think they're trying to start something yeah, yeah, yeah. or anything. Right. Um, the meetings that I've gone to here have been loving. They, they speak of the, 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 they talk about the steps and the traditions. And uh, uh, I love that there's no crosstalk where somebody can Is there just, more of that in California, you think? There's not. There are crosstalk meetings, yeah. which I don't care to go to. I've because to, to listen to alcoholics tell me where <laughs> what's wrong with me, right. I do enough of that myself. <laughs> so why would I invite others? Um, I, here's what's... The greatest thing is... I can go into a meeting here and I can look at the steps and the traditions hung on the wall. And I know that we're going to hear how it works from chapter five, Mm -hmm. I believe. Mm -hmm. And there is a solution. Mm -hmm. And some sober member of AA is going to chair the meeting. They're going to throw out a topic 
And then they're going to go around and people are going to talk about it for hopefully three minutes. Right, right. And, um, Do they have that three minute? And that's kind of actually a, kind of a new thing here. And I, th- this wasn't around when I first got sober. For those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, a lot of the meetings around here in North Texas, uh, uh, it is uh, suggested at the beginning of the meeting, you know, please share with us, but keep your limit, keep your sharing to three minutes. And the reason that is, is because... It's because people have a tendency to pontificate and can take 10 to 12 minutes and they want to have as many people share as possible, right? Correct. So do they have that thing in California? Well, there is a program called On and On and On and On (laughs) that is suggested that they go to. There are timers and God bless the timer. So they do have timers. And if you know, it make a ding? It does. And they will ding again. And some people are like, I hear your ding. (laughs) I've been shot at before. You're not scaring me. All right. So it's, uh, if you ever notice, there is never a time that I share that I don't have my timer. (laughs) Because I can get caught up and I just, I want to have proof to show to somebody, go, it was two minutes and 58 seconds. Get off me. You are self-regulating. I am. There's very few people that do that. I want to tell you. Well, because once I hear laughter... Mm -hmm. And once I get into a story, my my directions on how to get down the street has subplots. <laughs> I will introduce characters, the wind. My dad used to say, son, would you just answer the question? And I'm like, I'm setting the stage. And he says, they've asked you what you want to drink. I'm like, I, I'm giving him backstory. And he's like, give him a Diet Coke. And it's, uh, yes. So this, we are talkers. <laughs> yes. Yes. I can only speak for myself. Right, right. So the, the big difference is we will uh, we don't necessarily have topics. So there often I hear here uh, here in the this area this isn't group therapy. Often in California and some days I really need it. It's like what's going on? It's like, well, let me tell you. And then all you have to do to like adhere to the meeting rules is go, but I'm not going to drink today. <laughs> right. <laughs> or you can say, I'm going to do a 10 step over that. <laughs> I got out of my car. I pistol whipped somebody that was in front of me. I got back in my car. They're okay. I think, um, but I'm not going to drink over it. So I think it's a good day. And everybody's like, thanks Bob. <laughs> and you just stay away from Bob. <laughs> Okay, there's something I wanted to do with you this time that I don't think we... We didn't do the uh, the wheel of topics last time, did okay. we? Okay. Did we? No. no. Okay. No. All right. So here's what I have created, right? I'll let you see this here. See, it's a wheel of topics. There are 12 topics on that wheel. Okay. In order to kind of produce spontaneity, so to speak, which okay. you're actually very good with, um, I created a wheel of topics. So what we will do is we will spin this here. Okay. And whatever it lands on, you Oh, I hope to, it's me. <laughs> no, me is not on there. No. Uh, okay, here we go. Ready? Big money, no whammies. <laughs> All right, the topic is ooh, selfishness. Well, it is about me. <laughs> it is. It is. That's about the closest you're gonna find there. I like it. So, if you had to share on selfishness right off the top of your head, okay, what would you say? Well, I know if we're going out to eat and we're all sharing 
food, I'm going to count how many shrimp you're taking. (laughs) (laughs) And I will have a resentment and I will kind of distract you and go, hey, 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 that's enough shrimp. Selfishness, self-seeking. I would imagine that's the topic we're going yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, the, a lot of people will go there, selfish and self-seeking. That we think is the root of our troubles, right? Correct. Um, you know, I don't think much of myself, but I'm all I think about. Right. You know, the, the narcissism, it's the height of insecurity culminated with the, with the height of, you know, just this grandiose thoughts. So when... When you talk about selfishness, that that is something that I do want my part of the pie, and and I'm going to want a little bit more. Right, and that's a character defect. So let me so let me ask it another way. So when you think about selfishness coming in here, what you've learned about it, how it's played into your sobriety, uh, what it means there, you know, has it lessened since you got to Alcoholics Anonymous? You know, so talk a little bit about how uh, 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 that has played into your sobriety. One of the things that when. I've been lucky to have a wonderful sponsor uh, here while I've been in Frisco. Um, But 60% of that time, I still was under the guidance of my sponsor in Los Angeles. And when I go back to Los Angeles, him willing, uh, I I will follow. He will be my sponsor as well. Sorry for fubbling that up. Fubbling is not a word for those playing at home. (laughs) Um, He shared with me that this is not a me program. It's a we program. Mm -hmm. And he gave the analogy of there's two shots of one is a shot of people that there's a large amount of food in the center of the table and all of the people are emaciated. They can't reach the food and they just they're they're sullen and they're 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 hollowed eyed and all this food and nobody knows how to to get to the food because they have these sticks on their arm and preventing them to reach the food this is an example of hell Mm -hmm. and then there's another shot of people that are fat healthy and glowing and they have sticks on their hands as well. But what they're doing is they figured out that they're feeding each other. Gotcha. And that has always stuck out with me. So as selfish as I am at the core of who I am, that's my default. I realize that AA is not about me. I realize that this podcast is not about me. I realize that when you ask me a question, and, and you set this up well, hopefully it's something that somebody else will benefit from. And like when we started in the beginning, I stated I was embarrassed when I first spoke and I only spoke about, you know, the bad things with my family. And then I was only nine years old and I had no solution. And my sponsor said, you don't know that what you're sharing is going to help someone or not. Right. So you don't get to pick those 
Right, and what Doug's talking about is before we actually start this podcast, is we 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 say a little prayer, and um, we just say, uh, "Hey, you know, uh, help this to go out there." And uh, I I don't know who's going to hear this, when they're going to hear this, but you know, this one has a much different our podcast that we're doing right mm-hmm. has a much different tone than your original podcast. Correct, and that's actually kind of what I was going. You know, I wanted to kind of get more into the um, into the. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if you call it deeper side of uh, Doug, whatever the case may be, but I, would, I, I know that there's something behind you. So I want to bring up one more thing here as well, and that is, I, and I've mentioned to you this offline, right? Mm-hmm. I've known a lot of people throughout the years, uh, and I, uh, and you know, and the people are always hard on themselves, including myself and including a lot of people I know, but you... Uh, in particular, uh, I mentioned this too, and Correct. I hope you don't mind me saying no, sharing this at public level. Uh, have a tendency to be um, uh, very, very hard on yourself, and, and I've seen it. I've seen it through words, and you know what you share with me, not only during the podcast, but in other places. So, um, so, so I guess the question is then: Do you? And that's why I wanted to kind of go into your background, you know, mm-hmm. where did this come from? And it makes sense where you are, right? Right. Uh, so, uh, and, but, but I don't think you're as hard on yourself as you used to be. Do, have you given that much thought on, you know, the, the, the harshness, so to speak, that you have with yourself and your self-talk and such? I have, and I appreciate it when someone is able to risk the the uncomfortability of maybe you know sharing with someone hey i see how hard you are on yourself and you also have gone on to say and i'm paraphrasing i wish that you could see the good that others see in you and on my instagram page i i think I have where it's that I want to someday be able to give the same forgiveness to myself that I offer so freely to, to others. Um, when I was writing down my resentments, I was the number one offender. Mm-hmm. If I had treated someone the way that I've treated myself throughout my life, uh, first of all, I'd be in jail. Right. Attempted murder. Just, you know, and I would just be this evil person. It's like, why, why would you do that? And that's not who I am. And uh, to other people, I, I cut everybody a break. And, um, and that's that. When I'm treating myself poorly, I'm not keeping the promise to myself of I will not mistreat you anymore. Right. It is, I mean, going back to the topic that you actually landed on with the wheel there, it is another form of selfishness. It is. It's, it's, it's very narcissistic mm-hmm. to constantly evaluate myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm up for review. I compare myself to others. And one of the things that we've touched about or touched on before is... Um, I get it. People that have knee surgery, especially two knee surgeries, you, you're going to gain some weight. I feel like a leper 
and want to put on a sign, I'm so sorry that I've gained 20 pounds, people. Am I still allowed in your city? And because I just think I should have known better. And I that that's so wrong. And so often the dialogue that I have in the mirror is not good for you, Doug. You're going to physical therapy. Both your knees are fixed now. It is it's harsh. And it's, it's, it's not kind. You know, and, and, and I, I'm not saying this about you, but right. what I have seen, just so you know, uh, with other people is that when they are, and I don't know what goes on, you know, completely in your head, but I, l- let me just say for me, whenever I am harsh on me inside and I'm going through all that, that baggage sort of talk, uh, I have a tendency to be that way toward other people, right? Oh, absolutely. And but I don't, you know, I'm th- that may happen to you, and and you know, I I I mean, I'm close enough to you, but I'm not right. that close. But so uh, so if if I can learn to to change that thought process within my head and not have all that talk, and by the way, it, it's a combination of both learning it and asking for God's help, right? Right. This is not just about a uh, you know simple one two three go away for a weekend and all of a sudden all your thoughts are changed. Um, but when I can change the thought process in my head that I'm having regarding my health, myself, it actually helps me to treat other people and my relationship with God in a better way. That is very informed and, and enlightened yeah. for you to know that. And I strive to get there. And right before I had knee surgery, I, um, I was really down. And depressed, and just you know, the, the career that that I came here to to do, I just resigned from. I was really questioning myself, everything, all of my self worth. That, you know, I was a trainer and in shape. At one time, I I had a boat, and I uh, lived in Southern California, and I was in the entertainment industry. All these things that were trapped, or that that I thought made me. I suddenly lost and my and my friend came out to visit me and I'm walking like a duck because I can't stand up straight. I have a cane. I'm 20 pounds overweight. I'm going to Walmart at 3 a.m. to ride the cart so I don't see anybody that I know because I have such ego issues and Oh, you didn't want them to see you in that particular shape? Well, you know, Walmart is a very classy place. (laughs) And so I didn't want to run into, you know, the who's who, the paparazzi, (laughs) if it were. And um, uh, so, yes, my ego is like, oh, I'm now this guy. And my friend said, what is up with you? And I said, "Uh, I don't know. Let me get back with you on that. Because I wanted to give him an answer. And I said, I don't know who I am. And he said, don't you know that there's good in you? And I said, oh, I want to. I really want to. And so I started going to a therapist. And in our book, it says we can get outside help. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. Oh, sure. I think most people that know me were like, give the guy a coupon. Is there a Groupon or something? Please. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to go do a GoFundMe for him on this. <laughs> we will get behind that. So there is there is more to be disclosed. And I'm... I am not healed. I am not. I hear people talk about recovered. The thought of drinking or using drugs has left me. However, I have a healthy fear that 
if I let myself entertain that thought too much, I can go back there quickly. What I need, the biggest challenge for me is exactly what you have presented here. And I am glad that we got to see a different side because this is the side that I live with. Right. Rarely is it this circus and carnival and where it's all laughter. That's just like short little spurts, you know, in a meeting or in a group or whatever the case is. Exactly. And when people say, oh, that I, my stomach hurts from laughing so hard. I'm like, where? What did you do? And they said, Well, you were sitting next to me, and I'm like, And what did I say? You know, it's like I don't need him to replay it. I'm just like, Oh, okay. I guess that was funny. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, you know, I walked away thinking, uh, I don't know. You know, there, there's something else going on. So it is. I have a daily reprieve against. You know, this allergy that I have about alcohol, I have no power over the first drink. Luckily, there are steps. And going to meetings make makes me feel better, but the steps have made me better. And I still need to work on a lot. And Welcome to the club, brother. Thank you. Mm. And, and I come across people like yourself that... I believe this is God's way of staying inconspicuous or he keeps coincidences going on by, it's like, that was such a coincidence. It's like, was it? <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, I appreciate the coincidences that happen in my life to where somebody gives me the form to say, it's okay if you're not funny today. Right. That's right. That's it. Exactly. Good. Good. Well, that's what I wanted. All right, my friend. Um, We are to the end of the program here. I am going to read uh, from page 164 of the big book. Anything you want to add before we sign off? I just thank you for this forum. And I also appreciate the Sober Speak podcast. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. I sure do appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, so we welcome all your thoughts and feedback. Please contact us at feedback at soberspeak.com. And keep in mind, you can listen to this uh, 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 podcast using your uh, Alexa. You just say, uh, Alexa, please play, please play. I don't think you have to put the please in there, actually. I think Alexa will do whatever you want her to do. She's (laughs) sensitive. She's one of us. I I get that. I think you could just say, Alexa, play Sober Speak podcast, and it will come right out of your Alexa. Maybe. Mm, That sounds a little interesting, but anyway, we'll we'll keep it at that. She's a crazy guy. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. I don't know. If it doesn't work, don't blame me. Throw our Prozac at her. (laughs) We thank you for your support. Uh, Just listening in or passing on the uh, uh, podcast uh, when you're able to. And I'm going to read here from page 164. It closes out one page 164 of the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. It says, Abandoning yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your, your faults to Him and to your fellow Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thanks for being with us, friends. Bye-bye.